We don't serve a dead God. We serve a risen and living Savior who has triumphed over sin and death. God who loved you so much, he'd rather die than live without you, and he proved it on the cross of Calvary. Turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 24. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. Anybody need a Bible? Over here. So if you were here, if you were here on Good Friday service, we had it on Thursday. We have a Good Friday service. That's when our midweek is. We looked at Luke chapter 23, and we looked at how the message was, how are people, how did you respond to what Jesus did for you on the cross? And so now we, we, it's been Friday, and we know, we just saw it. I'll go through it quickly, because we just saw it all in that brief video. They beat him and said, prophesy who it is that hit you. They scourged him with 39 lashes. Uh, if you've ever seen the, the Passion of the Christ, you've seen that radical picture of Again, scourging. Most people died from it. They tie you to the post and they start whipping you and it's got bone and glass and metal. And as it grabs on, they, as they pull back, it rips away uh, the skin and the flesh from the body. After three or four or five lashes, you're already having organs exposed. Jesus endured 39 of those lashes out of love for you. Could have put a stop to it anytime he wanted, but he, he bore it because he loves you. Then they mocked him. They spit in his face. They put a purple robe and a crown of thorns upon his head, mocking him as the king of the Jews. They sent him to be crucified in Barabbas' place. They, uh, Pilate tried to show some level of compassion. He said, thou art the man showing Jesus beaten, uh, covered in a purple robe, being mocked. And what did they do? They, he offered Barabbas or Jesus to be set free. And Barabbas was a murderer. And you know what? Barabbas is a picture of every one of us because Jesus went to the cross and Barabbas was set free. And because Jesus went to the cross for us, we've been set free from sin and death. Amen? Jesus couldn't bear the cross because even though he was fully God, he was fully man and he was carrying it up the hill. Simon of Cyrene, who had come there for Passover, his the spear was placed upon his shoulder and he had to carry the cross in Jesus's place. See, even though again, he was fully God, he took on full humanity. He knew torment, suffering and pain. He knew temptation. He knew all the things that we go through and yet without sin, he's perfectly holy God, but he was also perfect in his humanness. Then Simon and Cyrene lifted it up, carried, that, carried it for him. And one of the reasons that's so significant in the Bible is that only the guilty carry a cross and we don't serve a guilty God but we serve one who's innocent. Amen? Then he was lifted up and he was nailed to the cross and the Romans loved torture. They loved the fact that crucifixion was considered the most heinous and torturous way to die. They wanted people to live as long as possible while suffering the greatest amount. As our Savior was hanging by nails in his hands and in his feet, what they would do is they would eventually suffocate. Every time he would lift himself up to breathe, the, the those nails were in the nerve endings. Those nerves would shoot through his body and the pain was, again, because all of his skin was gone, he would be rubbing his, his back against the cross itself. Open wounds scraping against the hard wooden cross with every breath. They gambled for his clothes. They taunted him to come on down and save yourself if you're really God. And this just shows the grace of our God because most of us would have turned those dudes saying that into toads, amen? God could have just said, game over. Let me show you how much. I mean, here's the reality. Why did he endure it? Because he loves you. Amen? If you don't remember anything else from today, I want you to remember that we serve a risen and living Savior, but that he went to the cross because he loves you. He loves you so much, he'd rather die 
than live without you. At noon, it went black for three hours, pitch black for three hours. You know, back at the Passover, it went pitch black for three days. And again, Jesus is being crucified on Passover, and Passover always pointed to Jesus. The sin of all mankind was placed upon him. The earth quaked, graves opened. When the graves opened, dead people got up out of the ground and were walking through town, proving that Jesus triumphed not only over sin and death for himself, but for all of us. And then the veil was torn in two. There was a veil that only the high priest could go into the Holy of Holies and only on Yom Kippur, only on the Day of Atonement. But when Jesus died on the cross, the veil was torn, which means that we can all enter into his presence anywhere and anytime. Again, not just the high priest one day a year, but we can have intimate fellowship with the Lord. Guys, it's not about religion. It's about a relationship. You're not saved because you go to church. We are the church. And being a member of a church doesn't save you. Having a relationship with Jesus Christ is what saves us. It was Friday night. The Sabbath had begun. And Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus claimed the body of Jesus. They put him into the tomb. The disciples are all hiding. Uh, the last one at the cross was John. The women were there. And then Sunday morning is coming. And so that's where we're going to pick up as we look at Luke chapter 24. But let me just say this before we do. Is our world kind of a mess right now? Okay. And here's what we're seeing in the world. And we're going to see it in tonight's text. And we're going to see how, what the answer is to it. And the answer, by the way, it's Jesus. Amen. But people are perplexed and confused. People don't, people don't even know what sex they are anymore. People are confused. They're perplexed. They're having, they're struggling. They don't have answers. They're angry. They're bitter. And why is that? Because God created them and they don't have a relationship with him. So they're perplexed. We don't understand why they even exist. Let me tell you why you exist. To know him and to make him known. That's it. What, what, is, what is the calling on your life? To know him and to make him known. Guys, there's a day coming soon when we're going to be in the presence of Almighty God for all of eternity. And you know what? We have a vapor of time on this planet to be about it for the kingdom of God. And guys, look, when this time is coming past, only what we've done for Christ will last. Amen? Now be the best worker in the building. Raise your kids in a godly home. Be a Christ-like example to your neighbors. All of those are your mission fields. And when you show up at work, tomorrow the Holy Spirit just entered the building and God wants to use you right where you are. Amen? And so God has a calling on our lives. And, and again, it's the only thing that we're taking to heaven with us is people. And people need to know the Lord. And just understand that many of them are perplexed and confused. Many are filled with doubt and discouragement. They're struggling with doubt. They don't know what life's about, and they're really discouraged. They're anxious. They're fearful. They're depressed. And they're looking for everything else to try to fill that God-shaped vacuum that only he can fill. They think that maybe money will do it. Maybe a great career will do it. Maybe sex and drugs or whatever, right? So they're trying to find something that will fill that God-shaped vacuum that only he can fill. We're going to see that picture tonight, and we're going to see the answer to that as well is Jesus. People are living faithless lives of fear and unbelief. They're trying to find peace by feeding their fleshly desires. And the answer to the perplexed, the confused, the doubting, the discouraged, the faithless and afraid is to know the one who created you and again loves you so much you'd rather die than live without you. If you're here this morning and you're afraid, if you're anxious, if you're depressed, if you're discouraged, if you're walking in unbelief, if you don't know why you live and move and breathe, if your life has no meaning, that can all be solved today. 
Because when you give your life to Jesus, it doesn't mean your life will be perfect. It doesn't mean you won't go through trials, but you'll never be alone ever again. Our God will never leave you nor forsake you. He, he will write your name in the Lamb's book of life. And if you know the Lord, but you haven't been walking with him of late, come on home. Amen? You know what? You can take a million steps away from God. It truly is only one step back. And so let's pick up there. If you've got your outline, grab it. So Jesus had clearly taught them repeatedly that he was going to go to the cross and die. He told them seven times in scripture that he was going to die and then raise from the dead. And you would think these guys who walked around with him for three years, who saw every miracle, who heard every Bible study that Jesus taught, every sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, they, they lived with him, they saw him in his, perf, you know, in his perfection, they saw him in his holiness, they saw him so people grace. You would think that when he tells you something once, that's enough. If he tells you seven times, you think they might have caught on, Amen. But sadly what happens as we come to Sunday morning, you would think that they know he's going to raise from the dead on the third day. You would think they'd all be lined up outside the tomb just ready to watch it happen. But sadly that's not what happens. What happens instead, we're going to see in this morning's text that disciples are hiding. Peter especially has denied the Lord and he's weeping. We're going to see uh, Mary come to the tomb and she, but she's bringing spices for a dead man. See, it, it seems like the only person that understand that Jesus said he was going to raise from the dead were the Pharisees who cried out for his crucifixion. So they put, got Roman guards and put a rock to keep God down. And guess what? That's not going to work. Can I get an amen to that? Almighty God, the creator of the universe, a rock and a hundred soldiers isn't going to do anything because our God is greater. Amen. So the disciples are hiding. The Jewish religious leaders thought they had rid themselves of the Lord. Satan in his fallen arrogance thought he had finally defeated Jesus. Again, it was Friday, but praise the Lord, Sunday has come. Amen? So here's quickly the three major points. Tell the message, he has risen. It was, it was Friday, but Sunday has come. And here's the transforming power of the resurrection. And by the way, people say, oh, there's many paths to God. No, there, there, there's, there's only one path that leads to salvation. And all paths do lead to God, but only one to salvation. Amen? Buddha is dead. The, gods of the, the 30 million Hindu gods are all dead. Joseph Smith and the Mormon church is dead. Mary Baker Eddy, dead. Jehovah's Witness leaders, dead. We don't serve a dead God. We can dig up all of those prophets' bones. They're not prophets. They're false prophets. They're all dead in the ground. We can dig up their bones. But if those of you are going to Israel with us, we're going to go to the tomb. I've been in it before. I'm looking forward to being in it again. And it is empty because we serve a risen and living Savior. Amen? And so we need to not be ashamed of that. We need to not allow anything to be cared, compared to our Savior. He's the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He's all-knowing, almighty, all-powerful God. He is the creator of all things. And there's no other name under heaven by which men must be saved. And his name is Jesus, and we should not be ashamed of it. Amen? Amen? And be bold about it. So first we're going to see the transforming power of the resurrection. I'm a little fired up today, I guess, right? <laughs> if you're not on Resurrection Sunday, you need to get saved. Can I get an amen to that? From perplexed and confused to bold witnesses of the truth. We're going to see these women who are perplexed and confused when they get to the tomb and they don't, they're trying to figure out who's going to roll the stone away. And they're, they're just confused. And then when the Lord has a head-on collision with them, they're going to become bold witnesses. Secondly, from doubt and discouragement to burning hearts and burning feet. 
I love this text of my dad who's been in heaven for about five years, was a pastor for 60 years. And this part of the scripture is his favorite part of the entire Bible. And what he loves about it is it's the road to Emmaus and some of the disciples are walking along. And as they're walking along, questioning and doubting because Jesus has died on the cross and they don't know what to do, somebody comes walking up alongside them and talks to them for about three or four hours about everything in the Old Testament that points to Jesus. And they didn't recognize him for who he was because he, shield, he shielded their eyes from it. But Jesus was telling them everything about himself from the Old Testament for three or four hours. And man, would I love to have a copy of that message. Can I get an amen to that? But what we need to understand is that every chapter in the Old Testament points to Jesus. I have a challenge. I'll continue it. Show me a chapter in the Old Testament. I will show you Jesus. I promise you. I've had people bring them to me for 35 years, and for 35 years, I've shown them Jesus every time. It gives the Old Testament as all pointing to Jesus. Amen? Amen? So from down in discouragement to burning hearts and burning feet, once they recognize it's Jesus, they're going to run back into town and tell everybody about him. And guys, when we truly know the Lord, we won't be ashamed of him. We will not keep it to ourselves. And then thirdly, from faithlessness, fear, and unbelief to hearts of worship and uncontainable joy. My uh, pest control guy, who I've been praying for for 10 years, came by our house a couple days ago, and he just started going to church. And when he told me, I was like, wow, bro. And he goes, I don't know what happened, but when I went in that room and they started singing, I just started weeping. This big buff dude, and I'm like, he goes, every time I go, when they sing, I just weep. And I don't know why. I said, let me tell you why. Because you're entering into the presence of Almighty God. Can I get an amen to that? And as believers, we, you know, the only thing we're going to do on, on earth that we do in, we're going to do in heaven that we do on earth is, is worship. Amen? By the way, worship is not the, you know, the, pre, the pregame to the game. Can I get an amen to that? We need to show up on time for Jesus. Amen? So let's begin there looking at Luke 24. We're going to cover a lot of verses in a short amount of time, but that's okay. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by... Amen. Look what it says here. Now on the first day of the week, what day is that? Why do we meet on Sunday? First day of the week. It's the day Jesus rose from the dead. Now let me say this. You can meet any day. The Bible tells us that, that some prefer one day over another. Let them each be convinced in their own mind. But you know what? The church I pastor in Santa Cruz, we had services seven days a week. You can have church anytime. You can meet with the Lord anytime. But the reason that the early church met on Sundays is when Jesus rose from the dead. And it says there, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. So these certain women, we know from other texts, Mary Magdalene, uh, Joanna, and Mary, they were the last ones at the cross and the first ones at the tomb. I said this on Thursday. I want to encourage all the ladies in the room that I cannot find, I could be wrong, maybe someone will find it, I cannot find any woman in the New Testament that is an enemy of Jesus. Not one. It's all the dudes, man. Can I get an amen to that? <laughs> Got a problem with Jesus, right? And, and so they're the last ones at the cross when all the apostles, not the, these are the apostles, not the B apostles or the C apostles. These guys are all hiding and the women are there. And then in the tomb Sunday morning, they go, again, not with the not understanding, but they go but they bring spices. Now, what do you bring spices for to embalm a dead person? So they're coming to the tomb and they want to care for the body of Jesus. But when they get there, they're going to find out there's no body to care for. Amen? 
We know in Mark, it says in Mark 16, 3, they were wondering as they were walking to the tomb, who's going to roll the stone away for us? When they get there, the stone's been rolled away. And by the way, the angel that rolled the stone away didn't do that so Jesus could get out. It's so that other people could get in and see that he wasn't there because Jesus can get out just fine. Can I get him into that? He didn't need any help. The Roman soldiers all fell over like dead people, right? When the angels showed up, that's the God that we serve. All of his followers should have been at the tomb to celebrate the predicted resurrection, came to anoint a dead man not to witness the resurrection. Verse 2, but they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. We know in Matthew 28, it says the earthquake quaked and an angel opened the tomb, again, not to let Jesus out, but to let the witnesses in. Verses 3 and 4, then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened as they were greatly perplexed, there it is, about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Jesus' body was gone, and for them, they were like, I don't understand why this happened. And the reason they didn't understand is they had not listened to what he taught and what he said. And the reason that we struggle in this world so often, we we don't listen to what the word of God says. Amen? By the way, the Bible says in the last days, men will call good evil and evil good. Are we living in that? Now, no man knows the day or the hour, but we can know the season. And I believe we're in rapture season. Amen? And you know what? We need to live every day in light of the fact that he could come tomorrow. But, you know, if the Lord waits 20, 30 years, that's up to him, right? But when we look at the world around us, it's a mess. It's as in the days of Noah. It's in the time when everyone's doing what is right in their own eyes. God is more mocked than he is praised. Amen? And we are salt and light in the midst of that. God saved us to use us for his kingdom and his glory. And we we should love all people, but we should also stand for the truth. So his body was gone. And in Luke 9, 22, it says, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and be raised on the third day. Jesus said that. He told them repeatedly, I am going to be crucified and I'm going to be raised from the dead on the third day. And they didn't get it. I pray for us as believers, as we're looking at the world around us, we spend enough time in the word that we recognize what's going on. Amen? We shouldn't be surprised when people who don't know God act like they don't know God. We shouldn't be surprised when the world is filled with its flesh and pride and anger. And the Bible says, blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you for my name's sake. Jesus said this. For so they did the prophets who went before you. So if you make a stand for Jesus, be ready to face persecution from the world. But guys, if we're never being persecuted for our faith, we must be undercover Christians keeping it to ourselves. Amen? So they come, and they didn't understand, because even though he taught them, they had not taken it to heart. They had not truly heeded his word. They were perplexed. That means it didn't make any sense to them. Where's his body? Who took, somebody stole it. Why is his body not here? They were perplexed. And they were perplexed because they had not listened to his word. If you do not, you and I do not heed the living and powerful word of God, we too will be perplexed. Life won't make sense. Now we know these two men who they saw in shiny garments were angels. And in the Bible, we don't see a ton of, of the angels appearing, and we only see the names of three angels in the Bible, Michael, Gabriel, who's the other one? Lucifer, Lucifer right? Who fell from heaven because of his pride. And he's the one that thought he had won this victory, and he's about to find out it's his greatest defeat. Then it says in verse 5, 
Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, by the way, whenever you see angels show up, people fall to the face. You know, in the Bible, you have one angel killing hundreds of thousands of people. So that's why when, when God's hanging on the cross, he could have called down a couple of angels and just wiped out all those enemies. But why didn't he do it? Because he loves you. And it says there, why do you seek the living among the dead? He asked him, why are you looking for the living Savior amongst dead people? Again, we don't serve a dead God. We serve a risen and living Savior. And then it says in verse 6, he is not here, but is risen. Amen? That should be underlined in your Bible. Even if you're borrowing ours, underline it anyway. And if you, and if you don't have a Bible, take that one home as our gift and just promise that you'll read the book and not wait for the movie. Can I get an amen to that? So sadly, men still seek Jesus among the dead as a historical figure. They talk about him as if he is no longer. Again, he is alive. Amen? So you seek it. He is not here. He's risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was in the Galilee, saying, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. Most of the problems in my life and in yours is because we live our lives without the instruction of God's word. Amen? Or we read it and we choose not to obey it. It's not enough to read the Bible. We open it, read it, obey it. Amen? You've heard me say this many times. This is 66 books written by 40 authors on three continents and three languages over 1,500 years with one central theme and no contradictions. That's only possible because because God wrote it. So God gave you a love letter. This is basic instructions before leaving earth, right? B-I-B-L-E. God wrote this down for you so that you could have instructions on how to have a godly marriage, how to raise your children, what kind of worker should you be in the workplace, how to deal with depression, anxiety, and fear, how to live your life when surrounded by an ungodly world. So God writes it down for us, and then we don't open it. We don't read it, and if we don't do those, we certainly can't obey it. But the reason people are perplexed and they're confused is they're trying to use their own sentiment. Guys, we're all idiots compared to God, amen? amen. And so we, why would we go on our strength? When I counsel people, they'll say to me, what do you think? You don't want to know what I think. I'm an idiot. Let's see, let's see what the Bible says. Let's open the book and read the Bible and let the Lord be the one who instructs us, amen? So they're perplexed because they haven't been listening to the Lord and heeding his word. It says, after being reminded, and they remembered his words. What reminded them? Somebody telling them. And guys, those of us who do read the word, we need to be uh, open to and looking for opportunities to remind people what the word of God says. So if we read it, not to keep it to ourselves, right? And so when you see somebody and you're sharing with somebody and they're going through a difficult time, the best thing you can do is quote the word of God because God's word does not return void. Amen. My words need to be forgot. God's word should be remembered. Amen. Then verses eight through 10, it says they remembered his words. Then they returned from the tomb and told all these things to the 11 and to the rest. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. So the apostles who walked with Jesus for three years, they heard him teach, they, they witnessed his miracles. Then the women show up and they go, hey, Pastor Day paraphrase, okay? <laughs> hey, we went to the tomb, he's not there. These guys that were like glowing in the dark told us he rose from the dead. 
And he reminded us of what Jesus told us many times. So he's not dead. Now, what's interesting about this is you would think the apostles would be excited. You would think that they would say, you know what? That's right. That is what he said. But sadly, these guys are thick. You know, this just proves, this just proves that God can use people like us. Can I get an amen to that? Their words seemed to them like idle tales and they did not believe. There's a thing, you know, unbelief will keep us from all the things that God has for And again, I'm not talking about stuff. And God may bless you with stuff, but stuff doesn't matter. I've yet to see a hearse pull in a U-Haul, right? Amen? It won't matter when we get to heaven, right? The things that matter are the things that will outlast this life. And these men, sadly, are, are, they'd heard him teach, they'd witnessed it, they still didn't believe. And they, the word idle ter- tell, tears there, tales there, is babblings from a fevered or insane mind. They basically told the women, you're insane. You know, he's risen. He has. They told us he's risen. You guys are insane. And these are the 12 guys that hung out. Well, 11 of them. One's already gone. We would say, these are the guys that hung out with Jesus and they still did not believe. So we shouldn't be surprised when we talk to other believers who struggle with belief. You know, there's a, word, there's a verse in the Bible that says, I, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Anybody besides me ever pray that sometimes, amen? You're going through a difficult time and you, you, know, you know that you need the Lord's direction and wisdom. And you know what? That's a good prayer. Lord, help my unbelief because we have times of unbelief in our lives. Now watch this. But Peter arose and ran to the tomb. And stooping down, he saw the linen clothes lying by themselves and he departed marveling to himself at what had happened. So even when he saw the tomb was empty, he still didn't get it. He still walks away going, I wonder what happened told me seven times. I just don't know what happened. What happened? Now, one of the things I love about this story here is remember what Peter did. Peter fell in his area of greatest strength, and that's where most of us fall. In an area where he didn't think he needed God's help. If there's an area of your life that you think you got handled, get on your knees, repent, and ask God to help you. Can I get an amen to that? Because what did Peter say? Because Peter was bold. Peter was brave. He doesn't catch any fish except when Jesus is there. And when he tries to lop off the dude's head, he catches an ear. So he's not really a warrior. And he's not even really a fisherman, right? But Peter said, look, Lord, I will never deny you. I will never deny you. And the Lord said, oh, Peter, you're going to deny me three times for the rooster crows. No way, Lord. I'm not, it's not going to happen. By the way, if you're arguing with God, you're wrong. Amen? <laughs> so what happens is we know that he denies the Lord twice and the third time we see it in scripture where Jesus is being led out after being beaten, more likely covered in the robe, cr- crown of thorns on his head. And the young girl comes up to where he's warming himself by the fire. And when she sees him, she said, you're one of his followers. And Peter cusses and says, I don't know him. And then his eyes meet the eyes of our savior. And he goes away and weeps bitterly. And he's in hiding thinking, I just let my savior down. There's no redemption for me. I've blown it. It's too late. Well, we know that Jesus will later say, go tell my disciples and especially Peter that I have risen. Why does he do that? Because he knows that Peter's in despair. Peter thinks he can't be forgiven and he calls him out by name. And if you're here this morning and you think that you've gone through some behavior, some sin that cannot be forgiven, I want you to know that Jesus would say to you, go tell the people of Calvary Canal Valley and especially Dave that I have risen. Can I get an amen to that? See, no matter what you've done, where, grace, where sin abounds, grace abounds much, much more. 
and we need to recognize the love and the grace and the mercy of our Savior. Peter went from denying the Lord to repenting to marveling. And again, the grave clothes were there, but the Savior was not. And Peter and the other disciples still didn't believe. We're not heeding the living and powerful word of God. Guys, it's not enough to hear the word. We need to believe it and we need to put it into action. Amen? Read it, open it, read it, and obey it. Point number one there, from perplexed and confused to bold witnesses to the truth. Now, that was the women. They went from, who's going to roll away the stone? How are we going to get in there? What do you mean he's gone? Where did he go? Then the angels tell him, and what do they become? Witnesses. They go straight to the apostles and go, guess what? He rose. Angels told us he's risen from the dead. And what you'll notice is they shared the truth, but people didn't receive it. So there's nothing new under the sun. And there's going to be times when you share the truth and people don't want to hear it. Amen. But you know what? Love them anyway, pray for them anyway, and pray for more opportunities to share the truth. Point number two, from doubt and discouragement to burning hearts and burning feet. Again, this was my dad's favorite part, the entire Bible. Look what it says here. Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all the things which had happened. So it's, it's Easter Sunday, it's been three days since the, the crucifixion. They're walking to this town that is seven miles away from Jerusalem. And these two disciples who had followed Jesus, we don't know who they were exactly, but we, it doesn't tell us, but we know they were disciples, followers of Jesus who had spent time with them. And they're talking about what had happened. What, you know, man, what in the world? I mean, he died. And then, you know, he's, and what, what about the things he taught us? And they were confused. And they were, again, in a place of doubt and discouragement. How could our Savior be dead? How, how, how could the, the, the Messiah be dead? I don't understand. So they're on their way out of town talking about the cross, no doubt talking about the three hours of darkness, talking about the earthquake and dead people getting up and walking around. That should have saved everybody. If your great-grandma comes to your house this afternoon for, you know, that died 25 years ago for, th for Easter dinner, I'm thinking some questions might want to follow that up. I mean... <laughs> Where have you been and what the heck happened and how do we get right with the Lord? Can I get an amen to that? But all this happens and people still walk in unbelief, even the apostles. So they're talking about the cross. They're talking about what had happened. Now watch what happens. This is called a divine appointment. Amen? So it was while they were conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained and they did not know him. So their eyes were restrained. They wouldn't recognize him. So they must have known Jesus because he restrained their eyes from being able to recognize him. As these two men were talking about Jesus, Luke shows up in their midst. I want to tell you something. When you want the Lord to be near to you, spend time talking about him. Can I get an amen to that? When you're talking to others about the Lord, don't you sense the presence of God there? Amen. That where two more gathered in his name, there he is in the midst of us. These guys are walking along talking about Jesus. He just sidles up alongside, right? They're walking along and he just, start, he just shows up and joins them on their long trip. Now, by the way, seven miles they're walking. So it could be three hours, four hours, depending how quickly that they're walking. And Jesus comes alongside them, verse 17 and 18. And he said to them, what kind of conversation is it that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Then those whose name was, the one whose name was Cleopas, answered and said to him, so we know one's name, but not the other one, are you, the, are you a stranger in Jerusalem? 
Have you not known what's happened in these days? It'd be like if you're walking alongside some people, they got masks on, and you go, so what's this COVID thing, right? Right? I mean, they're walking along, and he's like, so what are you guys so sad about? They're like, dude, have you, are you awake? Do you know what happened in Jerusalem? Millions of people have come to Jerusalem for Passover. The Messiah, the one that we were following, was arrested, beaten, mocked, scourged, crucified, world went black, earthquake, dead people got up out of the ground, and now his tomb is empty. That's what we're talking about. They wondered, there's, there was no other topic. There's a million people in Jerusalem, and Jesus was the only topic that anybody was talking about. I long for days like that, Amen. So all these people are gathered together, and he's like, where are you from? Don't you understand? And I just think it's comedy. He's talking to Jesus about it. Don't you know anything? Dude, I know everything. Can I get him into that? <laughs> he created you, bro. I can count the hairs on your head right now if you want me to. Here we go. Verse 19. It says there, and he said to them, what things? And they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty indeed and word before God, and all the people. What things? Of course, Jesus knew, but he wanted to hear their hearts. So sometimes people will say this, why do I need to pray if God already knows what I need? Why do I need to pray? Because I know that God will hear my prayer, and I know that God already knows if he's going to answer it or not, even before I pray. So why do I need to pray? You know why we need to pray? Because God wants to hear your heart. Amen? Prayer doesn't change God's mind, it changes our hearts. We don't pray real hard and God changes his mind. God doesn't change his mind because God is perfect and he's always right. And when you're always right, you don't need to change your mind. Can I get him into that? So when we pray, we're asking him and what's happening is he's changing our heart and molding our heart and our will toward his will and giving us understanding. So they had a knowledge of Jesus, but they didn't fully understand because what did, how did they describe him? Notice what it says there. He was a what? A prophet. Is that enough? Are there other people, have there been other prophets? What's the answer? Yes. yes. But are, could any of them die on the cross for you? Are any of them the Messiah? Did any of them create anything? Can any of them answer prayer? No. So when we call Jesus less than Jesus is, we're talking about a false Jesus. The Mormon church teaches that Jesus was a created being and that he, it was between him and Lucifer to come and be savior of the world and he got put in him, Jesus and Lucifer are brothers. And then he came to earth and now he, he is our example for us to follow. And they, call, they don't say that he is God. He's one of many gods. And they believe they can become God of their own planet. And the God of our planet used to be a man on another planet. And that's why they have to have so many wives because they got to get ready to populate a planet. And here's the reality. That's not the Jesus of the Bible. Amen. When I was in Santa Cruz, the Tofu Tidai New Age Lesbian Capital of the United States, right, pastor to church, right? People would come up to me and go, oh, Jesus, he has, the most, he has the most elevated of all auras. He's the ultimate guru. No. Can I get an amen to that? Anything less than King of Kings, Lord of Lords, all-knowing, almighty, all-powerful, God in human flesh, amen, is less than who Jesus is, and it's denying who he really is. So they said he's a prophet, mighty indeed in word before God and all the people. And they said, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified. Now, and this word, the two words that jump out here to me is our rulers. Anybody who 
hates Jesus is not my ruler. Can I get an amen to that? They're still referring to these Pharisees as their rulers, even though they recognized they were the reason that Jesus was put to death on the cross. Now, we know that they couldn't do anything without God's permission. Amen? Jesus doesn't go to the cross unless he's willing to on our behalf. And of course, he was. I wouldn't say our rulers, if they truly knew what the word of God said and who Jesus really is. Again, they're in a place of doubt and discouragement. They don't know what to believe now. They're questioning everything they've been taught. It says there, verse 21, but we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. So again, the third day should include him in because he told them nine times he was going to raise from the dead. They're walking along the road to Emmaus. Jesus is with them and they don't recognize him for who he truly is. And they don't even recognize when he was on the earth that he was who he truly was. You know, the, the same, most of the people that on Palm Sunday, when he came into Jerusalem, riding, riding on a colt of a donkey, they were crying out, Hosanna, which is save now, we pray you. And some, most of those same people, four days later, were crying out, crucify him. Because when he came, they wanted him to overthrow the Romans. They wanted him to take the White House, okay? You know, they wanted him to rule and reign and give them what they wanted here on earth. And Jesus didn't come to be a, a, you know, an earthly king. He came to be the savior of the world. And I am so glad. How about you? And too often we come to Jesus the same way. We want him to be a, a warrior, a, you know, a, we want him to do stuff for us here and now without any thought of eternity. And that's what really matters. Now look what happens here in verse 22. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us when they did not find his body. They came saying that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And a certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it as the woman had said. But him they did not see. Now, why are you even going to Emmaus, bro? I mean, if the tomb's empty, I think I'd be hanging out there to find out what happened, amen? Or if you know that he's risen, but they're just walking, you know, Seven miles on a trek along just talking about the things that have happened. So Jesus is going to rebuke them for not believing the word of God in its entirety. Because look what he says here, verse 25. Then he said to them, oh, foolish ones, slow of heart to believe in all the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ have suffered these things to enter into his glory? So he looks at them and he rebukes them for their, for their unbelief. For the fact that they've been taught the truth, but they did not believe it. They were not living as if they, they truly believed what the Lord had taught them. And so now he rebukes them. And you know what? If the Lord was to rebuke the church as a whole and most Christians today, it would be very similar. I've given you my word. I've filled you with my Holy Spirit. I've written it down for you. I've made it so you can understand it. I've given it to you in every form you could possibly imagine. You can go online and listen to messages. You can hear the word of God in, in, in your car. You can have worship music. Guys, I've given you everything you need to know me, and yet you continue to walk in unbelief heartbreaking. Amen? Help, help us with our unbelief. Now watch this. This is a great verse. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them all the scriptures, things concerning himself. He revealed himself from the Old Testament. No doubt beginning with creation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? 
And he just spoke and everything came into existence. Genesis 22, Abraham placing his beloved son Isaac on the altar. Who's Isaac a picture of? Carried the wood up the hill, Mount Moriah. By the way, that's where Golgotha is. So literally Isaac was about to be sacrificed with wood that he carried by his father to, to, to be faithful to God's command on the same mountain where thousands of years later, Jesus was crucified. The Bible rocks, amen? There's your example of Jesus in Genesis 22. What about Passover? The blood of the lamb in the shape of a cross. They're remembering back to their deliverance out of bondage. And he says, if you take the blood of a lamb in the shape of a cross, the angel of death will pass over. Again, a picture of Jesus going to the cross of Calvary, who was crucified on Passover. The sacrificial system, all of it pictures of Jesus. The Bible tells us without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness for sin. But when Jesus died on the cross, he said, it is finished. It's paid in full. That's why we don't have sacrifices anymore. Amen? Not dragging lambs here in here on Sundays. What about the tabernacle? Every piece of furniture points to Jesus. There's the golden lampstand. He's the light of the world. Table of showbread. He's the bread of life. There's the altar of incense. He's seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding on our behalf. When you go into the Holy of Holies, the Ark of the Covenant, there's three, pieces, there's three things inside the Ark covered by the mercy seat. Aaron's rod. Jesus is the great high priest. Jar of manna. He's the bread of life. Ten commandments. He's the word. Amen. Then you have the two angels on each side and blood being sprinkled in the middle. And when they ran into the tomb on Resurrection Sunday, what did they see? Two angels on each side, the blood sprinkled in the middle. All of it was pointing to Jesus. Amen? And he's just going through teaching them all of this out of the Old Testament. And people say, well, I only come on Sundays. I don't like the Old Testament. Well, you better like the Old Testament if you love Jesus. Can I get him into that? <laughs> the priestly garments, every, every stone on the priestly garments, all of it pointing to Jesus. The day of atonement, pointing to Jesus. What about the serpent in the wilderness? This one gives people a headache. You guys remember this? When they were murmuring against God and they sent serpents into the camp and they started biting them all. You remember that? And then the Lord told them to make a, a bronze pole and put a serpent on it and hold it up. And when they would hold it up, when they would look up at it, they would be healed. That sounds like voodoo or something, doesn't it? But you read in the New Testament, Jesus in John chapter 3 said, as the serpent was lifted up, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. See, he who knew no sin became sin for us. See, Jesus took all of our sin upon himself. And that's what that's a picture of. And that bronze pole in the wilderness with the serpent on it was pointing to Jesus and the cross of Calvary. Isaiah 53 describes in such perfect detail, crucifixion, 700 years before crucifixion existed. Psalm 22 and Psalm 69 are also prophetic messianic passages, all written centuries before Jesus came to earth and all fulfilled by Jesus. There's over 600 prophecies in the Old Testament that point to Jesus and he fulfilled every single one of them. Amen? Guys, that's the God that we serve. Key to understanding the Bible is to see Jesus on every page. I love what John Corson says. Hermeneutics is the study of scripture. He said, we, more than hermeneutics, we need hymeneutics because he's on every page. Can I get an amen to that? It's truth. So, watch what happens. Then they drew near to the village where they were going. So the Lord's been talking to them for hours. And I have an idea. If he's talking, I'm, I'm slowing down. We could just stop, right? I don't think they're running a sprint, but they're walking along and Jesus is just explaining who he is from the entire Old Testament. What an amazing message. And then watch what happens. 
Then they drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated that he would have gone farther. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is, it is forward to forward and toward evening, excuse me, toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he wanted to stay with them. Now, why did they want him to stay? They want to hear more. People go, well, you know, I can't go to your church. You teach for an hour. But I just watched 37 hours straight of Breaking Bad or something, right? <laughs> go see three-hour movies, drive park two hours in the parking lot of Dodger Stadium to go in and watch a baseball game in two hours again. Huh? But that Jesus stuff, hour, that's too much. I might just go over today on purpose. Can I get him a... I just, no, I won't do But notice, they didn't want him to leave. They wanted him to stay. Have you ever been in a place where you're worshiping the Lord and you're spending time in his presence and you just don't want to leave? You're just there like, I, I don't want to go. I, don't, I just want to stay. Can I just stay here? I, I don't want to be distracted by anything else. I don't want anything else to get my attention. That's where they were. They still don't fully understand that it's Jesus, but they know the word he's teaching them is powerful. Again, it's the living, breathing word of God. It's powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword, and they wanted to know more. Again, they still didn't know who he was fully. But what had changed them? All they knew was their hearts were burning within them that they didn't want it to stop. I don't want this to stop. I want to hear more. The more time we spend in the word of God, the more we will want to fellowship with the God of the word. Amen? Verse 30. It came to pass as he sat at the table with them, he took bread, blessed it, and broke it, and then gave it to him. And their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished from their sight. Encouraging and disappointing all at the same time. Now, why do you think they recognized him? Here's what I believe. When he broke the bread and he handed it to them, what would they have seen? The nail prints in his hands. And then they just go, it's, it's our Savior. It's the Lord. He is risen. And then he vanishes from their sight. Now, this is where doubt and discouragement turn to burning hearts and burning feet. So they see and they recognize him. Feeding on the living and powerful word of God and walking with the Lord will lead to burning heart. Look what it says there in verse 32. And it says, as they said to one another, did on our hearts burn within us while we talked with, while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us. Every time my dad taught this text, he started weeping at that verse. Oh, how our hearts burned within us. Being with Jesus, there's nothing else more important. There's nowhere else we want to be. That's the only thing that we want. And, they, and they're just like, man, when, when he was talking to us, how amazing was that? And you know what the enemy wants to do? If he can't disqualify you, if he can't uh, take, destroy you, take you to hell, if he can't disqualify you, he wants to distract you. He wants you to get so caught up in other stuff that you don't spend time with the Lord and before you know it, God's not a priority anymore and you don't spend intimate time and intimate fellowship with him and then you become doubting and discouraged like these men were before Jesus started talking to them. Notice what happens, it says in verse 33. So their hearts burn within them, they talked along the road and, they, and it, while he opened the scriptures. So they rose that very hour and returned to Jerusalem. Now I have an idea they got back to Jerusalem a lot quicker than when they walked out of Jerusalem. If it took three hours to get there, it might've been a half an hour to get back because now they had something to say. They had a message to share. 
and they were excited to share it. And guys, I know, look, I get it. We're all the same way. How many of you struggle sharing your faith? Okay, yeah. Why? Because we have, we have fear of man, and sometimes they might ask a question we don't have an answer to, and if you ask them where Cain got his wife, what am I going to say? Right, the mentality, right? And we have this fear of man sometimes, but I want to tell you this. The more in love you fall with Jesus, the easier it is going to be to talk about him. I embarrass her sometimes, I'll do it. I love my wife so much, I can't stand it. And I love introducing my wife to people. And my wife is the most beautiful woman on this planet, okay? So I'm blessed. I love my wife. So I love when I would take her to work. This is my wife. I love my wife. Guess what? As much as I love my wife, I love Jesus more. And I love to introduce people to Jesus too. Because unlike my wife, she can't be yours. But Jesus can. Can I get an amen to that? I'm willing to share Jesus. I need to share my wife. Right? So they had seen Jesus and their hearts are burning within them. And they're tracking Carl Lewis back to Jerusalem, right? Burning hearts, burning feet, ready to go back and tell everybody that they saw the risen and living Savior. Inward passion produces outward actions. Sharing about Jesus again, oh, get to, not a have to. We couldn't wait to tell everyone about the Lord. I love new believers. How about you? When people first get saved, they don't know any better than to be afraid. They just tell everybody. And then people go, oh, you'll calm down later. No, we need to become more like them than they need to become more like us. Can I get an amen to that? What'd you do this week? I got saved on Sunday. Really? They've got three Christians sitting by going, oh man. Uh, I got saved on Sunday. I got born again. I gave my life to Jesus Christ. I'm going to heaven, man. That's what happened. You want to go too? I mean, I love that. We need some burning hearts around here. Can I get an amen to that? And these guys' hearts are on fire. Now notice what they say. So it says there, so they rose up very early, returned to Jerusalem, and found the 11, those who were with, were with them, gathered together, saying, the Lord is risen indeed, and has appeared to Simon. And they told him about the things that had happened on the road, and how he had, was, had, was known to them in the breaking of bread. We saw his nail print hands. He told us things about the Old Testament, all of it pointing to him. And then we saw the nail prints in his hands and we know that it's him. We saw the Lord. He's risen indeed. Guys, is there anything more exciting than that news? Nothing. You go to work tomorrow and say, so what'd you do this weekend? Oh, just, you know, we, had, we had like an Easter like lunch and hunted for some Easter eggs. That's what we, guys. We celebrated the fact that we serve a risen and living Savior who is risen indeed. Amen. So <laughs> not be ashamed of that. Lord, help us. Last point. From faithlessness, fear, and unbelief to hearts of worship and uncontainable joy. Now, as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, peace to you. So they're telling him he's risen. They're excited. They're with these guys. They're still in hiding. And then Jesus comes showing up in the room. How many of you like Jesus for show up here right now? Can I get an amen to that? Now, here's the good news. When Jesus went to heaven, he gave us the Holy Spirit, and he's always with us, and we should not take that for granted. So he appears. He appeared to Peter and the other disciples in 1 Corinthians 15. Again, Peter had denied the Lord, and he said, go tell my disciples, and especially Peter. And as they're excitedly talking about their encounter with Jesus, he appears in the room. But they were terrified and frightened and supposed they had seen a spirit. Really? These guys just told him, we saw him, they're already telling about him. Then he shows up and they're thinking it's a ghost. This can't be real. This just shows us how 
little faith we often have. Now notice what happens. They were terrified and frightened. That's where I get the word. They were afraid. And then he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and feet, that it is myself. Handle me and handle me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. There are people that will teach you, Jehovah's Witnesses will teach you, that Jesus did not raise physically. They also teach that he didn't really die on a cross. He died on a, some, a, a stick or something, right? And they have all these things they teach. And they'll teach things like, well, he never was, it was never physical. Right here, it's very clear that it was physical. Amen? Amen. He said, look, here I am. Touch me and see. I'm real. It's me. It's not a ghost. It's not a spirit. You're not imagining things. Guys, we don't serve a, a, a ghost or a spirit. We serve a true and living God. Amen? Jesus knows their hearts. He knows their doubts. He knows their fears. And he says, handle me and see. Don't you love that the Lord knows your heart and he knows your struggles and he wants to minister to you right where you are. He knows what that thing is that's, that you're, that's breaking your heart right now. And he wants to meet you there. He wants to comfort you. He wants to encourage you. He wants to strengthen you in whatever it is that you're going through right now. I've never learned that more than the death of my son. God will show up when I'm just grieving beyond belief and pour out comfort on my wife and I. That's the God we serve. Amen? He's faithful. Then it says there, he showed them his hands and his feet, but while they still did not believe, while they still did not believe, for joy and marveled, he said to them, have you any food here? I'm going to eat in heaven. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So I gave him a piece of broiled fish. He was a meat eater. Okay. He made a piece of broiled fish and some honeycomb, and he took it and ate it in their presence. Again, Jesus eating demonstrated the reality of his presence. He's not just a spirit. He's risen bodily. And, it's not, and, you know, and he would say to us all, I'll be back. Can I get an amen to that? It's coming again. Fine, let's finish up. And then he said to them, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. So the Lord says, I'm just reminding you, these were all things that were prophesied before I was even born. It was always the plan. He is the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. This was always God's plan. Satan's plan never came about. This was God's plan. It wasn't the Romans that had him crucified. It was, again, they did, but it was God's plan, ultimately. It wasn't the Pharisees getting their way. So he would overcome the disciples' fear and prepare them to become witnesses. Look at verse 45, and he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Isn't that a great Bible verse right there? Lord, I don't fully understand. Will you help me? Will he help you do that? What's the answer? He absolutely will. Pray and ask. Verse 46, and he said to them, thus it is written, and thus it is necessary for the Christ to suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. By the way, California is one of those places where the word of God needs to be preached. He said it'll be preached to all nations, to all people, and notice what they preach. And again, I had a, and I'm running out of time, but somebody's talking about well, if you Christians just love people, you would agree with everything everybody does and just love them. Well, we can love them and not agree with what they do because the word of God doesn't agree with what they do and doesn't agree with my sin or your sin either. Amen? That's why there needs to be repentance. Amen. 
Repentance means I'm walking away from the Lord. I'm walking according to my flesh. I'm doing my own will. And now the Holy Spirit has convicted me that I'm a sinner in need of a savior. And I, the word repent means to turn around, to change your mind. To, I'm going this way and I'm going to turn back and I'm going to surrender my life to Jesus. And I'm not just going to make him the savior, but the Lord of my life. He's going to be on the throne of my life. I'm surrendering my life fully to him and I'm going to follow him rest of the days of my life. Amen. And that's what the, that's the message. It's not, hey, just keep living in your sin. It's fine. You can live contrary to the word of God and things that will destruct you. Look, those the Lord loves, he disciplines. And because he loves us, he wrote it down for us. Amen? And there needs to be repentance. That's the message of the cross. And you are witnesses to these things. Verse 49, behold, I send the promise of my father upon you. And what is that? Who is that? Amen. Behold, I send the promise of my father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. When we get to Acts, also written by Luke, we know that they wait for the Holy Spirit to come upon them. And then in Acts chapter two, the Holy Spirit is poured out upon them like tongues of fire. And the same Peter, who was afraid of a teenage girl around a fire and cursed and said he didn't know God without the Holy Spirit, now filled with the Holy Spirit, is gonna get up in front of, thousands of people preach the gospel with boldness, unafraid of what they may do to him. And 3000 people are going to get saved in a single day. Guys, this is the difference between walking in the flesh and walking empowered by the Holy Spirit. Amen. And all of us, there needs to be less of us and more of him. And we need to not just be content with having the spirit with us. We, we want him upon us. Amen. And he tells him to go and wait. And that's my exhortation for me and everyone else in the room. The Messiah was not a conquering redeemer, but a suffering servant. The scriptures, again, redeeming them from things of the world. The scriptures illuminated lives transformed from perplexed and afraid and discouraged and doubtful to burning hearts and burning feet. And the result of a life transformed by the living, breathing word of God. Last three verses. And he led them out as far as Bethany. And he lifted up his hands and blessed them. Now it came to pass while he blessed them, that he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple, praising and blessing God, amen. Here's what happens. When you have a head-on collision with Jesus, you go from doubt and despair. You go from being perplexed or being discouraged and you lose the fear and the unbelief. And then now you walk in intimate fellowship with him and you can't praise him enough. You can't worship him enough. And you know what else it brings? It brings joy. See, happiness is when everything in the world around you is working the way you want it to, and it's all based on how your circumstances are. So that means you're not happy very often. <laughs> Who in the room right now, everything in your life is exactly the way you want it, and everything's perfect? Raise your hand. I, want, I wanted to see if we had any liars in the room. We don't. Okay. <laughs> so... But you know what joy is? Joy is something you have not because of your circumstances, but you have in spite of your circumstances. It's not because of what you have, it's because of who you are in Christ. It's because of the promises. You've been, you've been born again. You're a new creation in Christ. You're filled with the Holy Spirit. You're going to heaven. And no matter what the world does to you, they can't take that from you. And that's the only thing that matters in eternity. Amen? When we stand before God on judgment day, the only thing that will matter was what have we done with God's son? Amen? You can pull out your baptismal certificate and your get out of hell free card and right from when you got saved. And again, 
those things are important, but those alone won't save you because if you're truly saved, it's going to go beyond just religion to a true relationship with him. Amen. So my prayer for all of us, Sunday has come. We serve a risen and living savior. May we start acting like it. Amen. May we not be ashamed of the gospel. May we walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Hey, hey, men in the room, be the spiritual leader in your household and get your family to church and you be the one that leads them here. Can I get an amen to that? I knew when I came here for Easter, I was going to get beat up by the pastor. I'm only telling you because I love you. Can I get an amen to that? And the Lord brought you here today and he doesn't want to wait till Christmas to see you again. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. We need to be in fellowship. We need to lead our families. We need to pray with our families. We need to open the word. We need to encourage them. We need to be salt and light in the workplace. God redeemed us. He saved us. We're going to heaven. What can the world do to us? Nothing. Why would we doubt? We don't need to. Where's the unbelief? We don't have to have it. Why, why should we be afraid? God's not giving us a spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound mind. Amen? I'm not afraid of any. Why would we fear? Because you can't threaten us with heaven. Amen? The worst thing the world could do to us is the best thing that could happen to us. Amen? So we serve a great and an awesome God. It's Friday, but Sunday has come. The transforming power of the resurrection. Not only did Jesus have the transforming power as he triumphed over sin and death, but because he did, so can we. Amen? Worship team will come on up. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We praise you. We love you, Lord. We serve a risen and living Savior. You are risen and risen indeed. And Lord, I pray that we would live daily in light of the fact that you have triumphed over sin and death. You've given us a down payment on heaven in the person of the Holy Spirit. Lord, that we can be born again, new creations in Christ. Lord, I pray if there's anybody here today that doesn't know you, that today would be the day of salvation, that they would not leave here without you. They would not put their faith in their own good works or their own thoughts or the gods of this world, but they would recognize that you went to the cross out of love for them out of love for each and every one of us. If you're here this morning, you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. The Bible says, if you confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father in heaven. If you deny me before men, I will deny you before my Father in heaven. I'm not asking you to join a church. Uh, Again, we're all the church that give our lives to the Lord. But this is between you and the Lord. This is a one-on-one time where you're willing to say, you know what, I I need to be saved. I've been walking my own path and it's time to turn around and surrender my life to the one who loved me so much he'd rather die than live without me. And if if it's your desire to confess him right now, I'm gonna pray a simple prayer with you. But I just want you to do this. Confess him before men right now. Just raise your hand right where you are and I'm gonna pray with you. Anybody at all? Don't leave here without the Lord. God bless you. Anybody else? Lord loves you so much he'd rather die than live without you. He's a loving God, a gracious God, and a merciful God. Lord, we thank you for this person who has raised her hand. I just pray for her right now that she can pray this along with me, silently or out loud. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you this morning and I confess that I'm a sinner. I believe that Jesus Christ is God, that he died on the cross when he rose from the dead. Lord, forgive me. Lord, thank you for dying in my place. Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit and help me to walk with you the rest of my life. Lord, we ask these things in your holy and your precious name we pray and all God's people said. The Bible says when one person gets saved, all the angels in heaven rejoice. 
And he is worthy to be worshipped. Amen? Let's worship.